It is a hard line to find between being too sympathetic to our children and letting them off the hook too easily, especially in our high-demand schools, or falling on the other side and pushing them too hard with a risk of their burning out. Our guest today, Keith McCurdy, is back again to help us find the balance on this episode of Basecamp Live. Mountains, we all face them as we seek to influence the next generation. Get equipped to conquer the challenges, summit the peak, and shape exceptionally thoughtful, compassionate, and flourishing human beings. We call it ancient future education for raising the next generation. Welcome to Basecamp Live. Now your host, Davies Owens. Well, welcome to Basecamp Live here with Kelly in the studio. How's it going, Kelly? Good. Good to see you, Davies. Yeah, today we're going to interview again Keith McCurdy. He's been on Basecamp before. Love this guy. 25 years in the field of mental health. He has like 70,000 children or clinical hours of experience with a lot of young people, children included. Um, Just has a great pulse beat on what's happening. And he's a guy that's involved in a classical Christian school there um, in Roanoke. So um, we're talking about a topic that I think is a great one, um, kind of the how tough for kids today? I don't know. What do you do? You th- what do you think of an American kid today? Um, I don't know compared to even like a hundred years ago. Oh well, I think it's almost inarguable, right? That there's definitely a loss of some of those things that kids had to learn to do independently yeah. and had to be strong and have the grit to move through yeah. life in a different way than they do now. We've made things a lot easier in so many ways. Yeah, yeah. Kids yeah. used to get up at four in the morning and milk the cow, and now they complain that the milk's too not cold enough or whatever, <laughs> and they don't even know there's a cow involved. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole confusion yeah. there. But anyhow, I'm excited about this interview with Keith McCurdy we did at the SEL conference, and I know it will be a source of in- encouragement. He's super practical and gives great wisdom, whatever the age of our kids. Yeah, you know, we talk a lot about preparing our kids for the world. This is a good opportunity to hear somebody who's actually done this at a clinical level. So let's hear what he has to say. All right, let's go to the interview. Welcome to Basecamp Live. Davies Owens here at the SCL Conference with Keith McCurdy. Welcome back, Keith. Second interview. Oh, thank you. Great to be here. Back by popular demand. I've had more people seriously say, oh my goodness, super helpful. I love the way you just kind of, you just, gosh, you're with counseling how many 75,000 is that the number you're probably up to 80 no, by now I mean, well no it's people uh, that you've not probably not personally counseled right it's uh, 30 years probably looking at probably 15,000 families okay uh, so if you're looking at three the or whole four unit. folks a family then yep. yeah it could be anywhere in 75,000 or more throw the dog and the cat and it's 100 yep. I miss there you, yeah, go. there you go so you've got a oh and as the wind doors are opening behind us here um we are uh we are uh you know, trying to live out a classical Christian world uh, in a very non or living out classical Christian uh, education in the lives of our families in a very in a world that's increasingly hostile and different, you mm. know, opposite, going the different direction. And I think you and I were talking before we started the recording. It's interesting the number of things that we sort of inadvertently absorb and adopt into our way of thinking. I mean, mm-hmm. most of us didn't grow up this way. So I'm curious, given your unique perspective as a counselor, what are you what are you seeing? What's trending? What's happening that we probably need to be aware of? You know, that's a great question. It makes me think of two conversations I've had recently. Uh, the, the first was on a, um, on a flight to Dallas, actually, to go talk to a school. And sitting beside me on the plane was a Major League Baseball uh, recruiter. Oh, interesting. And, yeah, and so he was, you know, doing all this stuff with player profiles. And so I had to ask, you know, you know what do you do? And he told me. Yeah. And, uh, of course, then he turned it to me, what do you do? And I had to answer, uh, yeah. f- fearful I would get into a therapy session for two and a half hours. And, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, and I told him what I did and he, he was just exasperated. He said, Oh my gosh, you know, what we have to deal with constantly is players that are fragile. Yeah. 
Oh, interesting. He, he said it used to be players would just fight tooth and nail to make it to the major leagues. And he said, now we have to take care of them. We have to babysit them. And he, and he was just, you know, he went on and on about just the change he's seen in the last 10, 15, 20 years with the nature of the individuals that he's recruiting to come to the major, to major league yeah. baseball. And, uh, you know, and, and another conversation I had very similar was a graduate student that had um, heard one of my podcasts I did, I think was Cersei. Uh, and called and, and did an interview with me. And her last question was, uh, you, you know, what do you see? You know, are there any trends over 30 mm. years that you have seen? And I said, absolutely. There are two things that stick out to me. Uh, one very clearly is that children today are much more fragile than they've ever used than they ever used to be. And in the example, it, or the way to look at that is they cannot handle the normal rigors of life mm. the way children used to be able to. And then the second is parents uh, need permission to parent. Yeah. And, and, and it's just a, you know, those, those go hand in hand. Well, and I wonder if inherently in a classical Christian context, are there, are we adding kind of the dark side of all this is that people select our schools because they want to be very intentional and they want to make sure that their children are not in unhealthy bullying type environments. But, but maybe, you know, if you think of it as a pendulum swing, I mean, it, there is a swing. Yeah. We don't want them to be in that, but do we, is there a risk of us if we're already trending towards overprotecting and, you know, we joke about the kid has to put a helmet on to go get the mail or whatever. I mean, right. you know, it's just right. not, it's very different than how it used to be. Do you think there's a greater risk for us in these schools where we're trying to be so intentional that we play into maybe a, a really kind of a secular pagan view of how to raise our kids? That we're, yeah, you know, that has not been my experience. Uh, my personal experience, I have two kids that have one who is uh, graduated from a Christian classical school in, in Roanoke, Virginia, faith yeah. Christian, yeah. and a son who is uh, going into his senior year there. And if anything, what I have seen is that a Christian classical school does not allow you to remain fragile. But yeah, yeah. And what I'm, yeah. but what I'm saying is, are there? Do you think parents maybe are fearful uh, in so selecting these schools because it looks like it face value, or when they first come in, oh, this will be a great, this will be a oh. safe place. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I oh, see it all the time. Okay. Yeah. But but really, what we're doing is we're teaching these kids to actually be incredibly courageous and bold and the very opposite of that. Absolutely. So, absolutely. So, and I, and I've yeah. spoken to parents many times that will, will even say to me, I, I never understood what, what effect this would have on my child. Yeah. Uh, as they put them in that framework and they see such a change because their children are coming out equipped. Right. So, so before, so we're going to jump into kind of where the fruit of this, cause I couldn't agree with you more. This is the most, uh, you know, enabling in a positive you know, building of courage uh, mm -hmm. and, and the things that parents really want. Yeah, uh, but yeah. it, it, it seems at first almost, you know, I've seen parents to our schools and say, oh, well, this isn't going to be for my child because, you know, they're kind of rough and tumble. And this looks like the school for kind of the polite little quiet kids. And mm -hmm. you realize that that's not the case. But can I set, let's go back to my first question. Just where, where are we today? What are you seeing? Um, just again, elaborate, elaborate a little bit more on this reality of kids being more fragile. Where are you seeing and how does it compare to maybe where we've come from? Yeah, I'll give you a great example. Sometimes we, if we look back historically, we can see trends mm -hmm. that have changed. And I often give folks the view of Little House on the Prairie, you know, oh, yeah. 1880s, 1890s America, Minnesota, actually. And, and I ask parents, you know, think about what is a 13-year-old girl? She's the oldest girl and oldest kid in the family. What is she doing? Yeah. You know, and she's, she's cooking, she's cleaning, she's doing every function of a mom, uh, not necessarily a wife for another year or two. And I, and I go back to the cooking and I tell folks all the time, you know, if you want a chicken sandwich today, where do you go? Well, the, the answer in the Christian classical world is Chick-fil-A. Chick oh yeah. Uh, but in 1880, if you wanted a chicken sandwich, what had to happen? 
Uh, yeah, you had to little, uh, somebody had to kill the chicken. You had to do yeah. some, yeah, yeah. And 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 what I learned from one of my grandmothers is when you kill that chicken, that's where the fun begins. <laughs> it's it's a long drawn out process. I'm and, not sure our kids can even make the lemonade today, much less get to oh, the chicken. Oh, exactly. I mean, well, <laughs> and, and then if you reflect on a 13 year old male, you know, you think about it, ask the, ask yourself this question: What could a 13 year old male? What did he know how to do in 1880, mm-hmm. 1890? And if you think about it. He, he did everything. You yeah. know, he knew how to hunt. He knew how to plant. He knew how to harvest, yep. uh, had helped manage large animals, uh, had helped build multiple homes in his community. And the comparison is we won't let 13-year-olds boil water. That's so true. And, and yep. so if we just look back a couple generations, a time when we built in the notion of character or uh, a good citizenship where today we spend our time keeping our children happy and worrying about their self-esteem. So uh, you, you would then correlate that to if you're a kid today and your, your mom won't let, let you even boil water, much less do anything really. I mean, it seems like that would immediately impact your self-esteem or oh, your, self, I, your identity. I mean, yeah, who, who absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I tell people all the time, you, you really can't get to a healthy identity from what I call a therapeutic paradigm. Yeah. If you're busy keeping yourself happy and comfortable, then you're never challenged to develop. Right. And, and that's what I see with children today. You know, children come in my office and they don't know how to do functionally anything in the physical world. And do you think that's a direct, and where, what's the root of that? Is that parents that are just, are just afraid? I mean, are we afraid of our kids getting hurt? Are we afraid of the big bad world? Why are we so, because it's obviously the parents that are primarily sure. setting up in, that environment. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll give you a great example. If you go back uh, two, three generations, uh, and you ask yourself, what are you know what are parents most worried about? Well, they were most worried about your child being a juvenile delinquent. Mm-hmm. So, in response to that, they would instill character qualities. They would sure. teach you to be honest. They teach you to have a work ethic because their biggest fear was you'd go out in the world and you wouldn't be a good citizen. Well, today, if you survey moms as an example, let's take one category: moms of teenagers. What is their number one fear? Well, it's that their child will commit suicide. Wow. So. If you're worried that your child will commit suicide and you hear the therapeutic community, then your whole goal now is I have to keep them happy. That's right. And so that totally changes. We're not now equipping children for anything. It's the difference between do I want to feel better or do I want to learn to live better? So these are these kids are just uh, at the back and call. Their parents are at their back and call. They just run and, and do anything they can to avoid anxiety or concern or stress. Those kids are. Right. So again, right. the very thing that it, it I think it. In one way, it's a reasonable thing. Yeah, who doesn't want their kid to be safe or to be to avoid difficulty? But at the same time, that is the very thing that's undermining right the act what of that they need. It, right, the act it, of keeping a child safe puts them in danger. So is this sort of like the hand sanitizer thing? Like we are, these parents squirt you know, that stuff all over their kids, and it, <laughs> doctors are now saying that's actually not good because these germs prevent lack of right. germs. You have no immunity. Right. So, well, I, I call it the bubble uh, the bubble yeah. wrap generation. Yeah. I, you know, I, I used the analogy the other day that you know, or, or the story the other day how did you learn to check a branch in a tree before you climb on it <laughs> from first not learning to check it and falling yeah, right. one time? Sure. Then you realize I'm checking branches from now on. Yeah. Great example. And, and yeah. so we have to realize that, that exposure to some danger is what equips us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so where does that, when, when we engage with classical Christian schools, I mean, do we, um, do you find that again, um, I'm trying to maybe draw a corollary that's it's it's broader than just our schools, but I think again, my concern is that we we often find a classical Christian school attractive, especially in the grammar years, because it's just more of a sanitary environment. Yeah, it seems safe. Seems it sanitary. seems safe. And yeah. I mean, we're going to get to we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about how it's not safe, and we actually sure. we don't want it to be safe. But I think that if you're if the filter set is well, this is smaller classrooms, 
everybody knows their name. I mean, all those are good from an educational standpoint, but I think the risk is these kids are really not right. You know, you're putting a little too much hand sanitizer on them. I agree. Okay. I agree completely. Well, let's come back after the break. We're going to talk about actually how we do uh, have the opportunity to really make a courageous and bold generation um, that will not fall into the, uh, uh, what's that book out? The Wimpy Kid? Isn't that the end? Yeah, The Wimpy Kid. The Diary right. of the Wimpy Kid. Yeah, Diary like, of the Wimpy Kid. Is that something you don't even want to read? Anyway, we'll come back. Keith McCurdy, thanks so much. We'll be right back after the break. The first wave of Generation Z is entering college this year, but little has been known about this next generation until now. In partnership with Impact 360 Institute, Barna has just released a landmark study of the leading edge of Gen Z, teenagers from 13 to 17 years old. What is their relationship to faith, to parents, to institutions? How have culture and society shaped them? How can we better equip them, reach them, and help them follow Jesus with confidence in this world? Gen Z is a must-read report for pastors, teachers, and parents as you help tomorrow Christian leaders grow. To learn more about Gen Z or to purchase the book, visit whoisgenz.com. Welcome back to Basecamp Live here at the SCL Conference with Keith McCurdy talking about the uh, desire that all of us have to not uh, create fragile, wimpy kids, which is sort of what we're seeing in the world today. Uh, yeah. you, you cited earlier just the skyrocketing number of kids on medications just to cope with things. So just mention this because I find that. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable when you think about it. But right now in the United States, uh, under the age of six, five and under children, there's 1.1 million on psychiatric meds. Wow. Under the age of one, 275,000. How do you even know that? I don't even know how to. I, I, I don't know what to say about that. Like, I know. Well, and it's and it's really interesting to think back. If you go back to 1950, yeah, and you ask the question, how many children of those ages were on psychiatric meds? The reality is none. Yeah. Uh, you know, we didn't have the national institutes or the government did not fund the first, did not grant the yeah. first study for uh, psychopharmacology for children until the 1960s. Yeah. Well, we have such a so. skewed idea of what uh, problems are. And I think that, I mean, yeah. it, part of it inevitably is born out of kid comes home and, oh, hard, hard day, you know, Susie was mean to me. And so, well, we're not going to allow for that. And then either we have to go, you know, have a little conversation right. with the school because everything wasn't perfect socially or we need to go medicate our kid because they're not reacting well to it. But talk a little bit about just the reality of a classical Christian school is that we are, we, we live in tight community. And, yeah. and so part yeah. of that yeah. is inevitable that, Life's gonna, you're going to bump into each other. Big difference than what you get in a public school. Well, it is. Yeah. yeah. One of the, you know, one of the huge things I see in a classical Christian school is you have to deal with people. Uh, in the public system, if you have conflicts with friends, you go make other friends. If you have a hundred people in your class, you can hide successfully for many years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you never have to deal with a social conflict. Yeah. In a Christian classical school, you have to. You, you can't to get away it from it. That's right. You have to either work it out. You have to either reach a resolution. And sometimes you have to learn to live in community with folks you don't really care for. Yeah. Yeah. And all of those, to me, are life skills and, and help our kids be more equipped for life. Yeah. I was going to say, you, you don't get to your first job and get to call mom because the guy in the cubicle next to you is uh, right. making faces at you or something. Right. Yeah. You're going to yeah. learn to deal with it. Well, and we hear that, you know, we hear the term bull. A lot of times parents will even throw out the term, well, my kid's being bullied. <clears throat> and yeah, there, there are cases where that, that happens. We do need to address that. But sure. on the whole, I think we use that term for anything even slightly. Oh, anything that's in, uncomfortable. Anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think too, you, you know, one of the things we do is we compute, we confuse two key words that are, that are important. One is empathy and one sympathy. Mm. And we have become so sympathetic to normal rigors of life that we give children uh, affirmation 
that life is horrible at times mm-hmm. when it really isn't. Right. So a child comes home and complains, oh, today was a tough day at school. And we say, oh, my goodness, you need a break. Take a couple hours yeah. and all that. What we have just done is confirmed a distorted belief that your day yeah. really was horrible when yeah. in reality it was just hard. Well, you made a good point earlier. You're talking about how we – sure, a kid, kid comes home, they all want a snack. That's just how it is. But yeah. But is it a snack or is it like, like you said, they're coming in, you know, this is like somebody who's been on the front line of fighting a forest fire and it's like, we need to get you back into the, right, right. you know, you've just been to school, my friend, you're going to be okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. Don't indulge the, the, the complaining. And right. The don't buy into a distorted perception that, you know, oh my gosh, you just did the hardest thing in the world. Right. When in reality, no, it was just a tough day at school. You're actually sat in a math class for 45 minutes. Like, right. You know, you're going right. to be eaten alive by the real world out there. Yeah. 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 Well, it's funny because one of the things that uh, I do with parents, I, I, I've got a handful of things I suggest. And one of the ones I suggest that really has a lot to do with kind of sturdying up our kids is the idea that we need to do less and require more of them. Okay, what does that mean? Uh, Well, I I often ask large groups, I say, you know, think about in your home, parents, what in your home that you do for the normal upkeep and function of your home is your child not able to do? That's a great question. Unless they're limited by physical disability or, or development, you know, if they're not tall enough or strong enough. And in, in the last several years, I've asked this to thousands of parents in large groups, and I say, raise your hand if you can think of something that your child really can't do. And I haven't had a hand raised yet. I mean, we did this today uh, at SCL and asked a room of four or 500 folks, yeah. and not a hand went up. And, and then I, the next question is, well, then how much of that are you turning over to them? Right. Well, you know, the disposals are dangerous for washing oh, dishes. Oh, I tell you. And you know, the you. trash smells. I mean, you it, don't want it, kids to have to deal with any of it this. It doesn't. It's a pain to walk it out to the trash can. <laughs> and, and so what I tell parents right. is, you know, right. we need, to, we need yeah. to step back and begin turning these things over to our children. Because when we do, number one, they start realizing, gosh, I can put up with a bunch of stuff that I don't care about. It's not that big a deal. Sure. They start gaining perspective. And it, it's interesting. I'll tell you, there was a study, the Harvard Grant study that follows baby boomers from childhood all the way up through. They recently, every few years, they spit out information they're learning. And I think it was two years ago they spit this information out. And it, they looked at life satisfaction. So they gauged uh, at the end of, you know, in your retirement, gauge your life satisfaction over your life. And what they found is the one item that was correlated in childhood with those that reported the highest life satisfaction was that they had chores. Wow. And the younger they were when they had chores, the higher rate of life satisfaction they had. So, so as a counselor, is that because, I mean, unpack the why in my mind. Is that because they actually did learn to just deal with some uncomfortable things like the trash is smelly? Or is it something deeper? I mean, I, we, it must be part of it. Well, it's, I think it's, it's just, a couple of things. I yeah. mean, one, it's they were given partial ownership of their life. You know, they were, they were given some ownership. I mean, if we, if we look at Genesis where God basically says, here's everything I've given you, now manage yeah. it and oversee it, and oh yeah, raise up the next generation to replace yourself. Yeah. And God said, I've made you capable, and I'm going to teach you how to be capable mm-hmm. with the world I've given you. When we give that to our children, we give them the ownership of that job, it changes how they view themselves. Yeah. And that gives them confidence right. in how God has made them. Yeah. And when confidence goes up, anxiety goes down. Yeah. And, and anxiety is rampant among children today. And, yeah. And so, again, back in, in most of our schools have, there are not only, you know, the term rigor is often used. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I think some parents look at that and go, well, I don't think that's good. We don't want rigor. <laughs> right. We want it to be fun. Yeah. Well, well, right. And, yeah. and rigor, and sometimes it's misapplied. And sure. And there are times where we, right. Yeah. And, and rigor is that the learning process is going to force you to challenge things yeah. and to think through things yeah. and to work at things. And I was told years ago, you're never going to learn anything if it's all easy. Right. Well, I mean, any any athletic coach or gym person is going to tell you, I mean, you, right. you got to break down muscle fibers to build. To build muscle. It's just basic there you life go. skill there. That's right. But what I'm hearing is that it's more, it's it's that, but it's also just at the deepest level of our identity, we're talking about people who cannot find themselves if they have no 
they don't have a purpose. I mean, they're just right. a, they're just being right. a catered to, indulged child. Well, yeah, there there are three questions that um, used to get answered by the age of eight or ten. Yeah, and children never even knew they were asking them. That now all children and even young adults are asking. And it's three things. Uh, the first is, am I valuable? Hmm. Do I have meaning? The second is, am I capable? You know, can I actually do sixth grade? Can yeah. I do? Can I yeah. do thesis? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the third is, do I fit? Do I fit or belong? Yeah, yeah. And and it's amazing if you use the uh, the, the picture of the children in Little House on the Prairie. Yeah. Let's go back to that. If you asked one of them uh, at 13 or 14, are you valuable? Oh, they knew they were valuable because they were relied on. Uh, are you capable? Yeah. Look yeah. at everything I, yeah. I know how to do. And do I fit or belong? I absolutely know I'm an integral part of a community. That's a great example. Yeah. And it, we've lost that. Yeah. And today we graduate... I mean, adult adolescence is the term we hear. I mean, we've got kids that are, um, we're, we're, we're near a, a door and there's a storm out. So if you hear, uh, yeah. if you hear rain, that's really rain right, like right, right. next to us. Um, yeah, I mean, kids today, and I, th- you know, they're 30 and living in the parents' basement and there's a sense in which I have, I, I can't even. It's find, unbelievable. I I, if, yeah. If you take a 13-year-old from the 1800s, they typically are more capable and able to survive in this world than college graduates today. Absolutely, just for you know, basic life skills. Uh, yeah, somebody told me recently that you know if you took someone from a, a century ago and brought them here today, within one week they'd learn to drive, learn to surf the internet, learn to use a smartphone. Yeah, you know, make the list. If you take someone today and move them back a hundred years, they die within a week. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's a. Yeah. Anyhow, I think there was a show about that, trying to actually inject a modern person back 100 years ago and see how they get, get, get through it all. Well, let's get back to kind of as our time is short, but just sort of advice to parents. I mean, it sounds like, number one, uh, don't shy away from having your kids do t- difficult, challenging things. Yeah, and, I, and don't I, rescue them the minute they have a... Yeah, I'll give you a handful real quick. Okay, you know, great. You great. Know, number one, I usually say to folks is claim your family identity. Who okay. are we? Yeah. And this is what we say yes to, what we say no to, what we allow, what we don't allow. It begins to craft an identity that the children begin to understand. This is who I am. I'm part of this. The second is do less, require more. Yeah. Begin turning things over them. The third is connect cause and effect. Instead of nagging your children, just say, look, hey, you've got homework to do. I'm not going to nag you about it. I don't care when you do it, but you can't do anything else until it's done. You know, just start connecting <laughs> things rules. in yeah. an order in mm-hmm. your life. And the fourth is limit technology. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we can go on a major rabbit trail, but the, the way I get parents to think about this is teach the skill, teach mastery of the skill before you allow it to be replaced. Like teach math, make sure it's taught before they use a calculator. Make sure they know how to write and, and, and use cursive hmm. uh, before they use the word processor. Uh, my son recently, I had to go on a trip four hours away, he's 17. He said, hey, do you care if I drive on my own? Uh, and I said, how are you going to get there? And he showed me the map on his cell phone. I said, well, what if your phone dies? Well, he disappears <laughs> for a little while and he comes back with a Rand McNally roadmap. Uh, with with the route marked on it. Well done. And well, I said, yeah. you you can go. <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah, yeah. You gave. Let's. I want to share the the Tacitus quote. You, I thought that was really appropriate for the. For, oh my gosh! Yeah. you're gonna make me go from memory. <laughs> you, you tell me. Tell me. Uh, I think what you said is so Tacitus. The the, the, it, the, it, the desire for safety. Yeah, the desire for safety yeah. stands against every great and noble enterprise. Right. The desire for safety stands I mean, think, against... The Romans had this figured well, out. It is. Yeah. Well, and he saw, if you think about it, he saw several things happen in the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that is a reflection of when we try to be too safe and too protective, we put ourselves at risk. Yeah. The Romans did wear helmets around. I well, they did. They did. But they had sharp stuff. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> Don't want to get burned in that microwave popcorn. All right. Well, hey, Keith, thanks so much for encouraging us here. Sure. And again, I... I just, it makes me so grateful that, you know, just to tie a bow on the end of this thing. I mean, the kids that come out of our schools are anything but wimpy. I mean, th- these are kids that Absolutely. know who they are. They know where they're going. 
and they uh, and you know you you, can, you hear we hear so many wonderful stories of these kids that move out into the work world and they're, they actually yeah. show up on time and they they're they're the ones that'll raise their hand and do the stuff nobody else wants to do. Yeah, so, absolutely. It's a great vision here for that. So, well, Keith, thanks so much for your uh, in, giving us some insights here. Where can folks? I know they're like, hey, I want to hear more of this. Where where do, where can they discover <laughs> Keith's wisdom? Well, <laughs> if they search me online, sometimes they can. Sure. It's easy to find different podcasts I've done, okay. like with Cersei, with you, with yep. Basecamp. Yep. I did something recently with Cross Politic. Great. Um, you can also go. My actual practice website is Total Life Counseling Inc. Okay. Com. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm kind of easy to find. I'm sure yeah. we are. Yeah. So. I just appreciate all you're doing. Well, Keith, thanks so Thank much. You. We'll have you on again. Okay. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Basecamp Live. You know, raising the next generation of young people isn't easy, but we'd like to offer you some opportunities to join your fellow travelers in this journey of ancient future education. Hey, Kelly, you know what's really exciting? We just added to the website, basecamplive.com, a whole section that's uh, designed around getting the word out. It's called Start Here. If you're new, it tells you how to get fully subscribed to it. If you're a school leader, um, you can you can link on to your school website and kind of get updates every time we do a new show is released. It appears on the school website. That's kind of that's kind of exciting. And, and one of the things that I'm really excited about is this new climbers idea that we're putting together. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about yeah, that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just simply we want to hear stories. I mean, the, what, what I'm humbled by are the number of people literally around the globe who are saying there is a better way to raise the next generation, and they're jumping in whatever their context is. And we want to know what you're doing and kind of how you discovered this. And we're just going to create some kind of smaller little vignettes of stories of people. And uh, so, yeah, info at BasecampLive.com. Let us know what your story is. Yeah, we don't have to do this alone. Info at BasecampLive.com. That sounds great. All right. Thanks for joining us and see you at the next episode.